Happy New Year, by the way. Just in case you were dozing off a little bit, Happy New Year. You can wake back up with me. How many of you guys are tired from the holidays? You ready to get back to the normal way of life? Yes. Some of y'all are like, no, let's just stay in the holidays. Let's just keep on. Can't do that. Can't do that. Can't, can't, can't get another 10, 15 pounds. Ain't going to work today. Uh, I'm so glad we made it through 2022, but I'm excited about where we're going next. You know, at this time of the year, we tend to uh, find, uh, uh, this is a great time for new beginnings, right? The resolutions and, and the hope and the uh, promise of a better tomorrow. Uh, but here's what I also know, too, is that in January, gym memberships soar and restaurant sales go down. But don't lose hope because in March, gym membership attendance goes down and restaurant sales go back up. I, I was just curious and I looked over the last five years and I thought, boy, that's consistent every time. Drop off, go back up. And so uh, what that tells me is, is that we start off with some great ideas, right? Some, some great uh, desires and intentions. But, but along the way, uh, on our way to the finish line, we run into some hurdles, right? Run to some hurdles and we, 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 we find some resistance in our resolutions and we also find some problems uh, in front of our promises. And so today I want to talk about what that looks like for you and I. When uh, a long time ago, I was a part of a church staff and went and saw Pastor Adrian Rogers. And, and the question we ask him is, is Pastor Adrian, you know, what, what do we do in terms of, you know, growing the church and this and that? And he said, the first thing you do is you, you identify the problems that impede your growth. That's the first thing you do. You figure out what you're doing wrong and you fix that and get it out of the way. And, and, and that really is true, not only in our day and age, but as I was reading in Scripture, I saw the same thing here from Moses as well. Uh, Moses wanted to move the people of God towards the promised land, but he faced some problems. And for him to get into the promised land, he had to deal with those problems. And for you and I, I don't know what promises of God that God has given you, but I do know this. You got to figure out the problems that stand in your way. Are there problems in your way? You better believe it. They're waiting for you. If you've not occurred, uh, if you've not encountered them just yet, just hold on. They're coming. They're coming. They're going to be right there waiting for you. They want to test you to see if you really want to make it to where God's called you to be. And, and he does. So let me just start this morning with this. Can I give a bit of a, a history lesson? I love, uh, I love to, to learn visually. So this morning, let me just kind of uh, take you through the, the wilderness. If you don't mind, show me that map up there. What we see is Moses, you guys know the story, the ten plagues. Um, and as, he, uh, as the Lord delivered them from the ten plagues uh, over towards the, the land of Ramesses. There it is. There we go. Uh, the land of Ramesses at the very top left-hand corner where it says Lower Egypt. This is where the Lord did a, a lot of great things. They crossed the Red Sea. They came down the left side of that peninsula. They hit uh, the waters of Meribah. God uh, turned bitter water into sweet water. And then he also uh, provided... Uh, manna for them from heaven, and then down here where it has the peninsula at the bottom down here where the, where the line turns to red to blue, that's Mount Sinai, or they believe Mount Sinai is. There's been a few uh, suggestions. But right there is where they, uh, it took about a year to get there, uh, and then um, to get back to the top, which is at the very top of this blue line, if y'all can see the, the difference in colors and lines, the very top of this line over here on my right-hand side that was Kadesh Barnea, and that was what was considered to be on the edge of the promised land. Now, it takes 11 days to get from the bottom to the top up there, 11 days. But because 
you know, Israel wasn't the most faithful people, and they grumbled and complained. By the way, those t-shirts are coming this year. Make sure you get your grumble-free t-shirt in 2023. We're grumble-free in 2023, right? That's not really our, you know, we're working towards that. We're working towards that. But in that whole Sinai Peninsula, from top to bottom, they move close to the promised land, away from the promised land for 40 years when it was just an 11-day journey. And so as they, they got there the first time, here's what I want you to know. They got there the first time, and they ran into some problems. They ran into some issues that they weren't really expecting. They, you guys know the store. They get down to uh, Mount Horn, and they, they send some spies out to go recon the land. They recon the land uh, up above the, that picture towards Israel that way. Uh, and they come back 40 days later, and they say, here's what we find. Uh, and, and, and read with me, matter of fact, just to kind of sum this up. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 25 through 26 It says, and they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Of course, everything the Lord gives you is good. Yet you would not go up, uh uh-oh, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And so this morning, I don't know what the Lord has promised you in 2023 but I know that if there's a promise in God's word, maybe, maybe it's, it's your body needs healing. Maybe your marriage needs restoration. Maybe your finances need to be improving. It can be a lot of different things. I just know this, that there's a promise in God's word for you. And I'm sure you've been claiming and clinging to it, saying, Lord, your word has said. Your word has said. Your word says this. You promised me in your word this, and I'm holding on to your promise. And so my, my force this morning with you is simply this, is hold on to your promise, but don't neglect the problems that come before it. Because there will always be problems in your way for every promise. You have to understand and anticipate those things. And how we navigate that, how we move through those problems, will define how fast we get into the promised land. Because did they get into the promised land? Yes, 40 years later. Was there still hope? Yes, absolutely. But man, if they would have just dealt with a few things from the past, the present, and the future, they would have been able to move into the promised land earlier. And I don't know about you, I always want to get into the promised land earlier. I don't like spending 40 years of my life or however long of my life wandering around the wilderness waiting for things to die off so I can finally inherit the promised land. I want the Lord to deal with those things Right now, and all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, so read with me Deuteronomy 1 27. It says, This and you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. The first thing I want you to see here as we walk through this scripture is that they forgot the past. They come to the place where they can inherit the promise, but as they see the problems in front of them, the first problem they really have is that they forgot the past. It says, because the Lord hated us. Does the Lord hate you? Never. He brought us out here in the land of Egypt to die and to give us to the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Has the Lord destroyed them all along the way? By no means. Have they not forgotten Or have they forgotten that he caused ten plagues to come upon Pharaoh and dominate and destroy all of Egypt, 
And then after he let them go, they gave them, they were the richest slaves in history. They gave them more riches they ever had before. And as they were leaving, they crossed the Red Sea. He split a Red Sea and allowed a whole uh, city of people, you know, almost two million people crossed the Red Sea. He made bitter waters sweet. He made manna come from heaven. He poured water from a rock. And he gave them a mighty victory over the Amalekites when Moses stood upon the mountain and raised his staff. God was faithful to them all along the way. And yet their response is, has he brought us out here to kill us? Have you forgotten your past? Have you forgotten the mighty deeds that God has done in your life? Let me just, let me just bring some focus and clarity to your life today. I don't know what you're asking for God. But quit looking at the problem and look back and say, faithful, 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 faithful. Will he be faithful here again? Yes, he will. He'll be faithful here again today and tomorrow because he doesn't know how to do anything else but be faithful. But Israel's response was, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we had died in the wilderness. Look at this statement here. He says, Israel is basically saying we'd rather die in our sin when we were comfortable or die uh, being lost and without purpose than to die with purpose and a promise given to us. Somehow we, we exchange the hard things in life for the easier things in life. Can I tell you that almost all way through all throughout history what you see in Scripture and in history is that comfort concerning the the, the saints of God always leads typically to captivity. We can't get comfortable as saints of God. It's the trap of the enemy to make your life comfortable, to allow you to be okay. And that, that ease sets in, and then you and I, we get like a day's school, we get apathetic, we get soft. Next thing we know, we're, we're, we're not fighting anymore. We put our shields down, we put our swords down. That is not who God has called us to be. And then they say this, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Interesting that God gave them a leader to bring them out, but they were willing to choose a leader to take them back in. And I see that so many times in our life that you and I, that the Lord would give us leaders to, to stretch you, right? To pull you out of uncomfortable places of captivity. But all of a sudden, Israel's smart enough to know and qualified enough to know that we can choose a leader. Why? To take us right back into the sin we were in. And so what I see is simply this, is that when you and I choose a leader, we choose a leader for comfort, right? We choose a leader who, who makes us feel good about our choices in life. But when God puts a leader in your life, he, he helps you stretch you in your choices so that you can have a life that's good. There's a difference in between those two things. Moses' response to all of this was simply this. Uh, verse 30 through 32. He says, the Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you. Just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through this wilderness. Just as the father cares for his child. Now he has brought you to this place. And then it says, but even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God. Can I tell you something that is that much like us, especially when we watch our children on Christmas morning, that just because God has given us a lot of good stuff does not produce in us a heart of faith to believe more. Typically what happens is the more we receive, the more we take for granted. I remember not too long ago, uh, um, y'all know what those little LOL dolls are? You know, they're, like, they're like these little bitty dolls that you unwrap in the hundreds, you know, basically. Uh, and so my, my daughter was, uh, 
excuse me, she was getting an LOL prize package, whatever, and she's opening them, and they're like, there's like 10, 15, 20, and she had multiple LOL presents. In my mind, I'm doing a calculation really fast. I'm like, we're going to have 300 enemies on the floor attacking me when I walk, you know? Like, this is like the male version of Legos, you know what I mean? Like, you can't walk anywhere, you know? And so as she's opening this up, what I realize is this, she's like, oh, this is cool. Oh, this is cool. Oh, this is cool. And the more she gets, the less valuable those things were. And, and you and I are the same way because we don't really have a capacity to, to, to steward all of God's blessings. And when we heap it all up, what we realize is simply this, is that we have a real difficulty in being able to be thankful for all those things God's given us. And so here that is the same way with, with Israel. Unfortunately for us uh, and for Israel, God's blessings do not automatically produce grateful hearts. We have to work at that. That's why David says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. It's something you have to willfully and intentionally decide to do. I will remember what he has done. And in the face of a problem, you have to tell yourself, I know what the problem says. I know what the difficulty says. But I choose to remember all that he has done and been for me. This will not be something that throws a kink in his armor. It will not change the character of God. This is another instance that God will prove himself to be all of the words says that he is. And if we think any other way, we forfeit the promise. We forfeit that promise. If we forget past milestones, we remove present foundations. I want you to think about that in your life. If you remove past milestones, if you forget past milestones, you remove present foundations. And because they forgot their past, they had nothing to stand on for their present. You guys know this is the same truth for America. If we forget our past milestones... We, we remove our present foundations. And because they did, they also, the, the second thing was, they were discouraged by their present. They were discouraged by their present. Verse 28 says this, where are we going up? Our brothers had made our hearts melt, saying, the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of Anakim there. I want you to know is that at the center of every disobedient heart is the view that sees things not as they are, but as we are. A heart that's disobedient typically tends to be a heart that's selfish. And a heart that's selfish looks through all of our issues of life and all the conquests and the problems of life through what we can do. But you and I have not been called to look at our issues in life by what we can do. We've been called to look at what God's called us to do in life through what he can do, not what we can do. Whenever we begin to measure success by our ability, you and I, we lose. Whenever we begin to measure potential by our capacity, we lose. And whenever we begin to measure our worth through comparison, we lose. But the world wants you to look at yourself, to lean to yourself, because you can't trust nobody but yourself. You can't lean on anybody else but yourself. The whole world has let you down, and the world has proved that to you. That's the reason why you can't trust anybody but yourself now. But the Lord is telling you, no, 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 no. If you want my promise, you got to do it my way. And if you're going to do it my way, you got to lean into me and trust into me. Everyone else can fail you. Even you have failed yourself, Scott. But if you'll trust in me, I'll give you that promise that you read in the word and you claim for yourself and you claim for your family. 
That's the reason why Paul, he understood this. Philippians 4, 12 through 13, you, you know this. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. And in every circumstances that I've been through, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Who? Not Scott. That ain't going to happen. I've tried. If, you've been, if you tried through yourself, raise your hand. If you tried through yourself, raise your hand. It didn't work. In fact, it failed miserably. In fact, it cost other people because I thought I could do something for them. And so in our lives, we have to understand that it is him who desires to work through us, and it is the greatest way possible. We must not view the present or its obstacles that lay ahead as we are, but as he is. And the third thing it produced, the third problem it produced, was that they were fearful of the future. They, were fear- they, they, they saw the, they forgot their past. They, they, they had a problem with the, the, the present and it discouraged them. But now, now they're fearful of the future. Verse 29 says this, Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. God told Moses to go up and possess the land. He never said there would not be obstacles along the way. He never said that there would not be cost. There's always cost. Moses acknowledges that there might be some problems along the way. Notice what he says in uh, Numbers 13, 17 through 20. He says, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is. What's that mean? Check it out. See if there's some problems in there. And whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, or whether the trees are in it or not. What's Moses saying? He says, check it out. There might be some problems. But notice what Moses did not say. He did not say, go figure out if there's some problems, and if there's some problems, we'll change the course. That's not what he was saying at all. He was saying, go find the problems so we can build a strategy. The Lord has given this to us. I don't know what it is in your life. I don't know what promise God has given to you in your life. But obstacles and problems do not mean that we are to abandon the plan. It means we are to change the plan. We are to adapt the plan. We are to overcome the things in our way and allow the promise of God to do what he wants to do. God does not look glorious and powerful if he's not conquering anything in your life. That's what makes him great. When they crossed the Jordan River, they said, we knew, you were, we knew you were a great nation of people. Why? Because we saw your God do great and mighty works for you all along the way. They knew nation. They knew the people of God was great because God's power showed up in the problems along the way. And I want someone to look at my life and say, Scott Brandon, when I look at your life, I know your God is great because I saw the problems he overcame in your life along the way. No one wants an easy God. No one wants a a, a passive God. No one wants a God who's there to help you in your comforts and cheer you on and hope that you might get over your problems. I need a God who will say, I got this. Come on. I got this. Come on. I got this. Come on. That's a big mountain. Stay right here. I'll be right back. I want a God who'll go before me. How can I preach to someone? How can I live to someone in front of someone who's struggling and they got big problems and say, well, the Lord will help you through it. How do you know, Scott? Well, he helped me pay a bill or two. Well, there was a time I had a big bunion and he healed me. 
the time me and my sister got in a fight, we reconciled our relationship. I want a God who does much more than that. But I can't expect God to be great in somebody else's life until I have first seen him to be great in my life. And I got to be willing. Like, like Paul says, I got to be poured out like a drink, like a, a drink offering. Lord, if, if, if emptying my life brings you glory at a level I'm not comfortable with, so long as it communicates your ability and your power and your intent to somebody else, then pour me out. Pour me out. It's not fun. It's not easy. But my eye exists that my life might declare his glory. And not just his glory, but the greatness of his glory. So Moses understands something. Also, that if the land has any worth to us, it'll have worth to others. That means you got to fight for it. If it means something to you, it's going to mean something to somebody else. If it's worth anything to you, it'll probably be worth something to somebody else. And just so you know that those things do exist. People find your faith valuable. That's why they fight for it. They find your attention valuable. That's why they fight for it. They find your time. They find your character. They find your reputation. They find your gifts. They find all these things about, they find those things important. That's why they're fighting for those things for you. People find your country important. That's why they're fighting for it. They find your city important. They find your church important. That's why they're fighting to have it and take it from you. They're fighting your children for you. They're fighting your covenant marriage for you. The things that are valuable to you are also valuable to others. you got to be willing to say, I'm going to keep what's mine. I fight for what's mine. And until we're at that place to say, Lord, I see the value in it. I'm willing to wrestle with it. We'll lose it all. If you're going to possess any of these in the way of God intended for you to have them, there will be a fight. But don't fear. Don't fear. This is what the Word of God spoke to uh, Israel and to Joshua. Deuteronomy 31.6 says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who, give, who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Joshua 1.6 says this, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to Inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Can you be scared and have courage? Yes, you can. You can walk out there with your knees knocking and your teeth chattering. But you can still hold your sword and you can still hold your shield and you can still make steps forward. God didn't call you and command you to run headlong like an idiot like Pastor Scott probably would, but, but you can still yet make progress and say, I just believe in him today. I be Every day we wake up, we have to make that decision, right? That I know the promise is not here today. I've not been made whole today. I've not been reconciled today. I've not been forgiven the way I've been wanting to be forgiven. I've not been delivered the way I want to be delivered, but I know that today I'm taking a step Forward. I'm going to believe that he is able and willing. If I give myself to him, today I'll be strong and courageous regardless of what the doctor says, regardless of what the spouse says, regardless of what the world says, regardless of what your job says, or regardless of what the credit collector says. I'm going to stand and be strong and courageous today. And if we do not do those things, then we resolve ourselves to fear. We, we live out of fear. We act out of fear, and fear produces a few things that we must 
grapple with this morning. Not only for, did it for Israel, but it'll do the same thing for our lives. The first thing is this, is that fear diminishes the fruit of the future. Fear in our life diminishes the fruit of the future. 1327 of Numbers says this, and they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. There was milk, and there was honey, and there was fruit. And you know what they said? We're out. We ain't doing this. That stuff is great, but it's not worth that much. It's not worth that much. Fear produces in you the ability to diminish the very thing that you are longing for. Even God's promise. Did you know that when they were standing on Kadesh Barnea right there at the, um, at the Mount Horm, that was almost 730 years ago, did God make a covenant with Abraham? So 730-something years in the making, they're right there. It's almost right there. God is about to bring it to pass. And they say, no, I don't think we're going to do that milk and honey and fruit stuff. That's some big dudes over there. And can I tell you that it's the same way in our life? How many things have we turned down because we were too afraid to trust God with our future? How many marriages have been diminished because we failed to see the value of its fruit? How many children failed to reach their potential because we feared being too hard on them? We feared raising them. We feared the government. We feared uh, uh, them treating us like parents instead of friends. We, we feared that relationship. How many of our neighbors and our coworkers are not here today right next to us right now because we feared asking them to come to our crazy church and listen to our fanatical pastor, right? How many of us are afraid of that? How many of us could walk in a true relationship with each other if we didn't fear the cost of loving each other, serving each other, welcoming each other, submitting to each one, one another? What, what, what things are we afraid of? Why are we afraid? I tell you that we, 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 we diminish the fruit of our future. The things that God has for you are great. But if we walk in fear, we diminish its, its fruit in our life, its value in our life. Second thing is this, that fear exaggerates the negative. It exaggerates the negative. Notice this. 13, verse 32 and 33 of Numbers says, so they, bought, so they brought to the people of Israel and had a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone out to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the, the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Another version says this, next to them we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. And I tell you that, that when we allow fear to dictate our lives, it exaggerates the negative. Can I ask you a question? Were they really the size of grasshoppers? No. But that's what they felt like. Have you ever felt like something that's not real, not true? Have you ever felt unloved, unwanted, unappreciated, undervalued? Have you ever felt that way before? See, that's, that's what fear does in our life. It causes us to focus on ourselves and say, in comparison to, I feel like I'm smaller than. But then, but then fear also does something else. Because it didn't just make them smaller, but it caused the enemy to feel even bigger. Because he says, and that's what they thought too. Fear makes the enemy larger in our eyes, and fear makes, the, makes us smaller in the enemy's eyes. We have to watch 
fear in our life. Because if we don't, then fear will exchange the very confidence that's been given to us and gives it over to the enemy instead. Because when an enemy sees that you're weak and you're feeble and you're not willing to stand upon the word of God, then he knows us, I got you. I got you. That's right where I want you to be. We have to step back and say, no, 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 no. There's no reason for me to fear. I don't serve a God who is fear. He has not um, called me to fear. Now, it's good to fear God, but we are to not fear anything else but God, which brings me to my last point. Um, second to last point, if the, if the worst thing want to go ahead and come back up. Number three is this fear, fear perverts the nature of God. This is, this, is, this is something we have to really watch. It says in verse 3, why is the Lord bringing, to us, bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Now, was God really going to uh, cause the little ones and, and the women to fall prey? No. Matter of fact, God reminds them of this in verse 31. It says, but your little ones, who you say would become a prey, I will bring in, and they shall know the land that you have rejected God. Fear will cause us to twist or misrepresent or misapply uh, the nature of God. Uh, the, the best uh, illustration I've ever seen is really back in the garden when, when, the, when the serpent came in and said, did God really say, y'all have heard of FOMO, fear of missing out, right? Did God really say that if you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil that you'll, that you'll, um, uh, that you'll not have all these things that you won't be? He, he knows that you'll be like him if you eat of its fruit, Notice this. He says, he knows that if you eat of this fruit, you'll be like him. Now, could mankind ever be like God? Could God be like man? No. There's a twist in character there. You have to watch yourselves because fear will tell you he doesn't heal anymore. Fear will tell you he doesn't listen anymore. Fear will tell you that he doesn't provide anymore. He doesn't forgive anymore. He doesn't save anymore. Fear will tell you that your kids are too far gone, that your spouse is too far gone. Fear will tell you those things. But can I tell you that if you want some encouragement this morning, you should call up Sarah, Abraham's wife, and say, Sarah, now be honest with me. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And she would say, no. Matter of fact, why don't you call my friend Hannah and ask her if, if there's anything too hard for her. She was a barren woman who had no, no kid at all and prayed and God quickened her womb. Why don't you call Daniel who had the lions in his life. Do y'all have lions in your life? People who, who long to consume you and eat you up. He said, call him. Because he'll tell you that your God is able to shut the mouths of the lions in your life. Call Lazarus and ask him if he can still resurrect the dead things in your life. Call, call Mary Magdalene and ask if you can be abused and broken and unclean and be made whole and innocent and new. Call her. You can call some other people too. Call the lame man and ask him if you can be unclean and now be made clean. Call some people up. And ask him if he's changed his, his nature. No, my word says that God is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. I stand upon a promise that does not change. Because I stand upon a God that does not change. And I don't know what you're looking at in your life. I don't know what promise that you're, that you're, you're, you're grappling with. But if it's there in the word of God, it will not go away. Neither is the power it takes 
to bring it to pass in your life. He will. He will. Get everything out of your head and know that He will. He will. The only reason why He won't is because you'll look towards man instead of God to bring it to pass. And that's what happened. The last part, fear focuses your attention on people instead of God. We get to strategize, and that's what I do. If I see a problem, I go, okay, plan B. This person, that person, that person, and I start putting things together because, because I don't know. I don't know if God's paying attention or not. I don't know if he sees a problem right here in front of me. But I got to make sure that I got plan B just in case the Lord knows that plan A ain't going to make it in time. So I start looking to what I can do, what people can do, and not looking to God. We ought to remind ourselves that there's nothing to fear except God himself. For those who fear God, fear nothing. But those who don't fear God, fear everything. And the only reason why you should fear God is if you happen to leave him. There's reason to fear by walking away from him. So to wrap it all up, let me just remind you of three things. We're going to take communion here in just a minute. Before we do, let me just reassert these three things in a positive statement. For us to walk into the promise that God has for us, is given to us, we must remember God's provision in our past. And he has been faithful. And he has been faithful. He has. We must look past current obstacles of our present. Those obstacles are just moments and situations that the Lord will use to declare to a world who doesn't know him that he can and he will if they'll resolve their will to his. And the last thing is we must exchange our fear of the future for faith in his faithfulness. Because he never has, nor will he ever will, fail us. His timing is not our timing, I know. Believe you me, I know. Can I tell you that before we were asked to come to this church, I prayed for two years and I said, God, I know you're busy. <laughs> and I know that you got a lot of folks talking to you, but, but, but Scott Brandon, I'm your son. And I need to know what you want me to do. Because this waiting stage, Lord, do you know I'm not a waiting person? I don't like to wait for anything. Have you seen me drive, Lord? I don't wait. I don't wait. And I would pray, and the Lord would say, wait. I went to another church. I heard he was a great preacher. I was expecting the word of God. I sat down. I got my notebook out and I said, Lord, I know you're going to speak to me. I'm in this season. I'm in this season and I believe you have a word for me. I sit down as to whether or not what I should do in, in terms of my career with my, in ministry. And the man says, I got a word for this morning. God changed my sermon last night and he had me preach this sermon instead and here's what he wanted to tell you this morning wait on the Lord <laughs> I said Lord have mercy I don't think you understand the problems I'm looking at Lord 
I don't think you, this is, this is all tongue-in-cheek is funny right now. You know, I, I appreciate what you're trying to say. But can I tell you, the Lord just knows. He knows. And so this morning as we get ready to take communion, as the guys prepare, you can go ahead and stand with me. I want you to understand it's about before they were about to enter the promised land, two years prior to that, they were in Egypt and before anything started, one thing started first. Before they could see the work of God, before they could do anything else, one thing had to happen first. For two years prior to the moment they could walk into the promised land and receive God's promises, they were back in Egypt. The Lord said, I want you to go out and find a lamb. I want you to slay that lamb. And I want you to apply the blood to the post of your door. And I want you to take in the Passover feast. This is to honor who Christ would later come to be. The blood of the lamb is what procured our promises. That you and I, we don't have a right to proclaim anything or to call on anything until we first resolve ourselves and allow God to wash us by his blood and then claim the promises of God because of his promise fulfilled on the cross 2,000 years ago for us today. I want you to understand is that every promise that you ever needed in life first came through the blood of Jesus. So we're about to take of um, communion. But before we do, I want us to pray and ask God to prepare our hearts. As the guys go ahead and serve right now, would you just go ahead and begin to ready your heart as the worship team sings? I'll lead you through in just a second, but I want you to ask God, Lord, search my life, find anything in me that's not right, any fear, any doubt, any confusion, and any sin that there might be, and forgive me of that. Just take a few minutes.